0: On today's show with star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian, we talk Royals. All the essential topics are covered here. Manager Ned Yost's future, Bubba Starling, when's he gonna get called up? Salvador Perez, uh, basically the future of the Royals because there's not much to say about the present tense Royals. Later, we discuss the World Cup and the party at the Power and Light District, what that means for Kansas City's bid for the 2026 World Cup. This is Beat KC, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Sam Mellinger is here, so is Vahe Gregorian, and, um, and you guys both wrote about the Royals this weekend, which is becoming increasingly difficult to do. <laughs> I also wrote about the Royals. You guys wrote about the Royals' uh, future, and I wrote about the Royals' past, which suggests to me there's not much to say about <laughs> the, the present tense Royals, so let's let's spin it forward. And uh, Sam, I was particularly intrigued with your column uh, about what's what are the objectives for the Royals the rest of the way, and you listed them. You you had a, a handful of what sort of what what do we look for? What what needs to happen? And it kind of starts with the. Um, the, the the budding stars, does it not?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the this is such a weird season because they are on a bullet train toward 100 losses, but the most important stuff they're getting right. You know, it's it's just it's a weird deal. It's it's uh and and that includes you know the headliner there is Mondesi, and you know the the this season was going to be a failure if everything went right except Mondesi took a step back. If Mondesi, if it didn't look like Mondesi was going to be a star, then pretty much nothing else would have mattered. And then you get Hunter Dozier to take a big step. Whit Maryfield has continued, you know, this all-star sort of baseline of performance. But you know, there's there's some more stuff. And I always think of this: the Royals have trained me uh, to think of this in terms of you can have a losing season or a lost season. And they had a lot of lost seasons between 2000 and 2000 eight, nine or yep. so. Um, but, you know, you, you can have a losing season uh, without it being a loss season. And I, that, that's that's the challenge now. And that includes, you know, even like tiny, this might not sound like a big deal, but getting, you know, Cam Gallagher some more starts to see what you have in him as the backup when when Sal Perez gets back next year, presumably, uh, you know, as, as the primary catcher. It includes, you know, seeing, um, you know, they're intrigued by Glenn Sparkman. They think Glenn Sparkman's been, a lot better than his numbers. You know, finding what role that's going to be. You know, Jacob Junis and Jorge Lopez need to put pitch their way into the future plans, but here's their opportunity. Bubba Starling will get a chance at some point. Um, you know, we can get into that. I, I don't – there's there's a fan outcry, and I get it. There's a lot of boredom around the Royals, and Bubba Starling would give us something to talk about. What I totally understand why they're not in a rush to, to bring up a guy who – over the first 72 games of his Triple A season, having the first professional success in an eight-year career, and when you struggle for that long, you build up a lot of you know sort of scar tissue, and there's a lot of doubts both in yourself and the people around you—coaches, teammates, and all that—and he's got to work through that. And that's part of that's part of what's happening too. The minor leaguers, Brady Singer is getting his c legs a little bit in Double A. Had had a rough start after the promotion. Um, uh, but other guys like Chris Bubik, uh, Daniel Lynch, you know, getting those guys, uh, you know, a little bit closer to the big leagues. That's the important stuff the rest of the way. I do think it's a hard sell
0: to Royals fans when you say they're getting the important things right. But that, I think that's a true statement that mm-hmm. they are getting the important thing things right. We're we're at the All Star break and they're 30 and 61. Yeah. The most important thing to get right is to win baseball games, yeah. and they are not close to being a team that can. On a semi-regular basis, win baseball games.
1: No, I mean their their public, you know, sort of mainstream, broad fan marketing is in the dirt. Yeah, I mean you, you can't you can't sell that. They only recently, like two weeks ago, they had more wins than they were games out of first place. Like for the first time, like all season. I mean, it's, it is a terrible. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things wrong. Um, with that big league team. And I would never try to sell this as, you know, sort of, God, they're just knocking on the door or whatever. I mean, we're still talking the most ambitious timeline would be 2020, you know, to, or, I'm sorry, 2021. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Um, to 2020 would be a hell of an ambitious timeline. Um, 21 to, to to be able to compete, but that's where they are, you know? Uh, and, and there were a lot of bad decisions, um, some bad luck, um, but a lot of bad decisions, and then just some inherent, Kansas City market challenges that come along with being in the third smallest market in baseball. There's a lot that went into it, and and when you get to that point, there's a lot that there's a lot that it takes to get out.
0: Speak well. Speaking of, of the future, um, Vahe, you, you you caught up with Va, with um, Salvador Perez, and wrote about that. I don't I don't think he had spoken publicly, um, or at least not much, until you got to talk to him last week.
2: I think maybe they did one news conference right away when when he when he got hurt. Something right in that time. Um, And I just got thinking. We'd we'd see him around periodically, and I got thinking. You know, here he is. I have no idea how he's doing. And in a certain way, it's still only a vague concept of moving forward. But he's hit all the checkpoints he's supposed to hit. Um, The thing I found interesting is even their most optimistic assessment is still ten to sixteen months. I don't recall hearing that from the the time it from the time of the the surgery. So, which was March? Was it March? It was March. Six, I think, was the surgery. So it's a bit optimistic to think he's even playing on opening day. A bit, and really, if it just runs the the to the end of the the, the range that they consider the feasible range. I mean, it's not till mid season, uh, which is a little different than than I expected. But you know, I don't mean to emphasize that point exactly. I I, I think I do think he's doing well, and and um. I don't think these guys were inflating his work ethic. I mean, I, I, you know, you always wonder about how this stuff works behind the scenes, and especially with a guy who's, you know, sort of um, so publicly uh, available and performing, and you, you don't just don't know what it's like when there's no cameras there. And I, I, I got the feeling that he's he's really going at it pretty hard. So. That's all you can ask at this point, and he's going to throw. Looks like July twenty fourth.
0: Yeah, that's the th- that was the note in your story that I was most intrigued by. Throwing on July twenty fourth when he's, you know, still perhaps at that point what seven, eight, nine months away. I imagine that's a that's going to be a pretty big moment for him. The the throwing program that he's on.
2: I would think, and and uh, if maybe if we're alert, we can be there to see the throw. I mean, they 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 might let us do that, but more likely they're going to let their video people. Do that, and uh, we'll see if we can barge our way into it. Because I think it'd be a meaningful moment for him and our and our fan, uh, the fans of the Royals.
1: I don't know the first thing about rehabs, obviously, but that does seem like a long runway from yeah. first throwing to being able to to play in a baseball game.
2: It it does. I mean, it seems like a really long runway to that. And I, I, so it's hard to know what a throwing program looks like. Maybe we should expand on that when we get closer to it. But I mean, you know, is it eight throws back you know, one day, and that's okay, 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 that's it, that's yeah. it let's get that thing in ice. 10 feet or whatever. Yeah.
0: Do, do we know if it's different than a pitcher's throw? Obviously the motion's different, but the t- it's the same type of injury, right? The- it,
2: it is the same type of injury, you know, commonly referred to as the Tommy John surgery. The thing that um, I hadn't realized is that this this does happen with players other than pitchers, but not not as often. A thing also one of the, the trainers uh, conveyed to me that I, I just hadn't thought about very much Think about how many times a catcher throws a ball every game Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is 30 warm-up pitches before the game all all the however many pitches he's throwing back right some of them are hit but he's throwing back a lot of pitches you know we think it's a big deal when a guy's throwing 100 pitches now he's not putting all that mustard on every one of those but he probably throws the ball 150 to 200 times a day
0: right throwing
1: motion every day Yeah. yeah 140 games
0: Yeah, yeah, for him. Yeah,
1: it's not thirty-five starts,
0: (laughs) and then and then another thirty in Venezuela, wherever he's playing winter ball. With (laughs) him,
1: where he's banned from playing catcher, but always plays catcher. Yeah,
0: what if what if he hadn't gotten hurt? Would 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 he have made a difference? What kind of difference might he have made this season?
2: My my thought is, there wouldn't be thirty and sixty-one, right? How much it reorders everything, I don't know, right? But it affects the lineup a little bit. Who's where. You know, Modernado's hit a little bit now in the last couple of weeks, but but for three months he was an automatic out basically. So to me, maybe it shifts some things around early. I, I always joke about the parallel universe concept. I mean, that, that there is one somewhere, and what would it look like? We don't know, but but I but I I think they'd be seven, eight, nine games better than they are right now. Maybe maybe that's overinflated, but I think they'd be competitive more often and pull through a little more often.
0: You wonder how um, how the pitching staff might have yeah you know, how he might have impacted Keller or Junis or some of the young arms.
1: You know what's interesting is th- this is an unpopular opinion in Kansas City, um, but I think Martín Maldonado is a better defensive player than Sal Perez. I think uh, he won a Gold Glove. Yeah, right? the the only non-Sal Perez person to win an AL Gold Glove in the last what four or five years or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I, I just think like Perez is better. Uh, I think he's got a better arm, but I think everything else framing. Uh, uh, game planning, you know, little subtleties like that, uh, pitch framing for sure. Uh, Maldonado's better, but I do think that Sal makes a difference. the The bat is a huge, a huge difference. And Sal Perez is not, uh, you know, a tremendous hitter, but you get 25 home runs and you know a 450, 480, whatever it's going to be, slug percentage out of the catching position. Um, that's a pretty good thing. A um, hell of a lot better than, than what Maldonado's doing. And, and I also believe that as I, I, and this is not me just guessing, like I, people tell me um, who would know that Maldonado is much better, you know, sort of in, 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 in the meeting room of, you know, coming up with game plans and all that stuff. But I still think that there's something about the way that Sal carries himself that might be able to prevent you know just a train wreck season you know that that, that there's an energy and that got tested last year and there was a moment where Ned Yost was publicly outwardly talking about man you know this he didn't say it like this but this season is killing Sal Perez you know like it, it sort of diminished you know his his salviness and but then it came back and, you know, he, he fought through that. And I, I think there's some value in that. And, and this team is missing a lot. Um, but one of the things that it's missing is him, you know, his heart, his soul, his energy.
0: If nothing else, um, their one through five has been pretty darn good, yep. right, in the lineup. One through six would be really good yeah. if Sal Perez was, was part of this yeah. lineup.
1: You'd be subbing out, you know, just to emphasize one of Vaje's points, like you'd be subbing out one of those just automatic outs with a guy that can hit, with a guy that's won a silver slugger, right? I'm not wrong I believe that's that. right. I, I believe he's won he has. a silver slugger as a as a catcher. And, um, you know, you're right, Vahe. Like, he has been a little bit better. Uh, they made some tweaks, uh, I think, in the way that he – where he holds his bat, where, where he places his hands and stuff. But um, still, I mean, there was a time where that was just a 1-3 a ground out waiting to happen. Yep. Hey, Blair, do
2: you mind if I uh, just go back to Bubba a little bit? Um, just want to elaborate or, or actually ask you guys what, what you think about what what the full rationale is on whether to make the move now. I mean, Sam, you already spoke to it a little bit, but to what degree, I think you used the term in your column, um, that they want them to overperform mm-hmm. for uh, an extra length of time, you know, all that, if that's not redundant, in the minor leagues before you make the call. What's the risk of bringing them up too soon? And haven't we seen guys do okay after getting sent back down I mean is it that fragile that that each guy guy is his own thing and Bubba's yeah. had his own you know questions that way
1: well there's a couple things um, and some of this I've been looking up because I'm writing about this in in the minutes tomorrow but like when when you stall for this long in the minor leagues there's some problems beyond you know sort of plate approach you know there's some holes that that kind of athleticism not just like good athleticism for baseball players, but that kind of elite, ridiculous athleticism should be able to cover, and it hasn't yet. So I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that it exists. And I don't know if that's focus. I don't know if that's um, studying the, the the other pitcher. I don't know if that's teammate stuff. I don't know. But, but something exists to hold him back like that. The other part of it is I would present it like this. I don't think the Royals are being slow on him. There was a time what this is the middle of July, there was a time two months ago where everybody was like, what the hell are they waiting for with Chris Owings? And they cut him before Memorial Day. That's really quick. That is really quick. So Bubba Starling has 72 games this season that say he is an exceptional uh, AAA baseball player. He has 665 minor league games before that that say He was struggling to hold on, and probably wouldn't have without the draft pedigree. There was—I looked this up, and I'm—I'm gonna—I won't even try because I would butcher it. But his—if you look at his last three years slash lines in the minor leagues, they are terrible. I mean, I just talked about—they were Chris Owings in 2018 level. I mean, he—he was just getting bombarded and and overwhelmed by minor league pitching. So, I I guess I reject the notion that they are being slow with him, Um, and I also understand the temptation, especially with that guy, to make sure that he is as mentally strong and ready, prepared, whatever the word is, for that challenge. It's gonna come. It, you know, unless he hurts his finger again, you know, getting out of bed or whatever that was a couple of years ago, unless he has, a, you know, um, a, an oblique injury again or whatever, he's gonna be in the big leagues this year. Like, September, if not, you know, that, that would be the, the absolute latest. I'm okay with them waiting a little bit, just to let him overperform a little, let let him think, AAA is easy. What are you guys waiting for? Like, I am ready for this. I've never been more ready. Like, it, once you get to that point, I think you have a better chance of success.
2: He'll, it was interesting. Oh, go ahead, Blair. I was
0: gonna say he'll he'll be in the, you know, he'll be in the major leagues with perhaps the Royals minor league player of the year, you know, attached to his yeah. name, which, yeah. you know, will I think would do wonders for uh-huh. him, Ooh. and and that would uh, I think help sell the idea of Bubba as a major league player.
2: Just, point. just a side point, sort of related. I remember Dayton saying Dayton Moore, the general manager, saying that um, he one of the things he wants going on here is that Bubba's not looking every day to say when am I getting the call, when am I getting the call. When, he, he wants them just to be in the moment. But then Dayton kind of dropped in the line, and then he'll be called up when he least expects it, or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Which I, I just thought was an interesting way for him to put it. Makes me feel like they'll they'll still aim for before September, but probably not right after the All Star break.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think early August would, you know, sort of be when you really start looking. But not, you know, like, I wouldn't be shocked if it was next week, you know? Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if it was September 1st.
0: L- Let's cover one more Royals topic before we break, and that is uh, Ned Yost. Um, Sam, you mentioned it in your column. Yeah. Um, it's on his way to a second straight 100-loss season, and, um, you know, he's he's a, he's on a one-year deal this year is he the manager of the Royals going forward?
1: It's up to him um, for the most part. Um, but I'll go ahead and <laughs> say the thing that I've been saying for the last like two or three offseason, which is I think he'll retire. <laughs> uh, I, I keep being wrong about that, but uh, it just, there's a lot <laughs> pointing that direction. And, and again, I want to be very upfront, as upfront as I can be. Like I've been wrong about this the last couple of years, but. Um, there is a tension. We've talked about this on the show. Um, I've written about it in the paper, but there, there is a little bit of tension in the organization about his future and whether he is attacking his job right now, the same way that he did from, was it 2010
2: that he took over for Trey, uh, from 2010 to
1: 2015. Um, there, and look, a lot of that's natural, like in a, in a competitive, you know, business uh, like a major league baseball team. There's going to be people with differing um, opinions. There should be. If there's not, there's something wrong. Um, but that tension has existed for at least a year, and and maybe a little bit more. There there are at least some people in the organization that would think, go enjoy your farm. You know, it's it's paid off. You keep saying that, like you know, you know, go enjoy life. Um, and and let's get somebody else because it's in some ways. And I haven't heard anybody in the in the organization say this. This is me. This is me talking. I want to be clear about that. But it's as if Ned Yost is giving a short-term commitment year to year. He's giving a short-term commitment to a very long-term project. And I don't know how sustainable that is over the long-term.
2: Sammy, I was going to ask you about that very point. How much do you think that would change if he were, that notion would change if he simply signed a longer-term contract? And am I right, I think you referred to this, was the last time he was on a long-term contract 2015 and it's been year to year since then? Or was he on year to year before that?
1: Well, I remember that he was—his um, contract ended after 2015, and I remember it because <laughs> our then beat writer, Andy McCullough, referred to him as a lame duck manager <laughs> <laughs> in print, and Ned, Ned, Ned had a reaction to that. So he's he's gone year to year, at least since uh, 2015. I think there would be some—look, you could always get out of a contract, so I get you know yeah. um, that, but— it, and, and whenever he's done as the manager, he's still going to be an employee. They're just going to shift him. he'll be special consultant to the general manager. Like that's that's what it'll do. But it, it, that would change a little bit if he said, you know what, I want a three year deal because at this point in that organization, we should be at this marker, this marker, this marker and this marker. And if we're not, then I need to go because I haven't been doing my job. But I also think that it's a it's, it's more specific than that. It's more how he carries himself and how he works. And there's just there's a little bit of tension. A- around that part of that too that and
2: it, I don't entirely understand why I don't feel differently about it or why maybe more people don't feel differently about it but you're, you're about to have back to back hundreds lost seasons I don't feel like there's any real great clamor to say well it's you got to get rid of the manager I don't feel like it's that way that much publicly maybe I'm not picking up my antennas not picking that up but I, is it because there's such an understanding that they, they let the, the goods wither away that he's working with or what, what? Or am I, think, I? Am I just wrong? I think, Are people really starting to feel like you got to have a
1: change? I think there's some fans, right, that that want him gone. There's some fans that have wanted him gone every day since 2011, well, I, yeah, yeah, including the wild card game. Yeah, you know, um, well, especially after the what fifth inning? Yes, <laughs> sixth inning. Yeah, sixth. Then, sixth. the Jordano <laughs> affair, um, and then Pedro Martinez off the top rope uh, during that game too. But you know, so th- there's been some of that. Uh, for sure, but I think like here, here's what I know: if you look up, and I did this for a column a couple weeks ago or something. If you, if you look up the teams that have lost 100 games in back-to-back seasons, they change something. The the GM gets fired, the manager gets fired, like something. And this would be Dayton's not going anywhere. Um, this would be 100 losses, two years in a row, and it's the exact same leadership structure. I mean that that's pretty unheard of. Yeah. You know, like that that doesn't that doesn't happen. And, you know, look, maybe the response to that is, well, Dayton should go too. Um, and, you know, maybe he should, but he's still, the GM in, in um, modern baseball is much more important than the manager. That, that has probably existed for a long time, but that, the gap widens as, as we go on. And it's the same leadership structure, because if you fire Dayton, you're firing JJ, you're firing, you know, Scott Sharp, you're firing like all these people that had built the first time around and it becomes a little bit easier with a 65 ish 64 ish year old 64 year old manager um you know who has talked about retiring anyway for a long time i I don't think there's a big push publicly because he does have a world series ring um but i i think that if he announced he was retiring tomorrow i think there'd be a lot of royals fans were like yes okay that's time it's time
0: all right Quick podcast poll as we go into the break, will Ned Yost be the manager in 2020, Vahe?
1: Yes. Sam? I'm sticking with no, eventually I'll be right. The
0: yes carries a two to one. (laughs) I will believe
1: it when I see it, Ned Yost, not the manager of the
0: the Royals. All right, guys, uh, we'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com, and it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com/sportspass. Okay, we are back with Vihe Gregorian and Sam Melinger, the Star Sports columnists, and we spent part of the first part of the podcast uh, talking about Salvador Perez. And Salvador Perez was part of a promo for World Cup 2026 uh, that I saw uh, he had a separate one and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Matt Beesler also shared the, the stage on a on a World Cup 2026 promo I thought it was pretty pretty interesting and I bring that up because the Women's World Cup uh, com- was completed on on Sunday the. US defeated the Netherlands two to nothing as we expected that uh, they, they would. And uh, the the event was caused a lot of excitement and, and news around the country, but nowhere was that excitement more visible <laughs> than in Kansas City at the Power and Light District. And Vahe, you spent Sunday uh, among the thousands uh, <laughs> in the living room and uh, on the stairs and everywhere else. I saw the humanity. I was there on uh, was it Tuesday for the for the England semifinal game, so we both had a uh, had an experience out there. What were your impressions? Just watching, you know. That, I think that was your was that your first time at the Power and
2: Light watching I, soccer. I've been over there before. I, I want to say it might have been Men's World Cup, something. But they, it they've had Men's World Cup watch yeah, parties there for sure. But it it wasn't like that. I mean, it was it was good, and may, maybe even with a Women's World Cup in 2015 too. I think they were showing there. Um, but this this just felt a little bit different. I mean, it it really got so loud at one point. It's funny. I took a little video of the reaction after a goal and in the foreground of the video there's this little girl with her um, fingers in her ears and it it was that kind of loud and and the acoustics are kind of interesting because the it seems to be an open roof but it's not it's covered and I I think that gives a little boom factor and it was great and and really it made it made you feel like how can this phenomenon be this way here I I I don't you guys might be onto something similar but I'm not I don't know any other sort of center of energy watching this, certainly not ones that Fox Sports was cutting away to. I think it, it happened five, six, seven times yesterday. So I don't exactly understand where it began or why it's this way. Um, I know there's soccer enthusiasm here, but it, it really was – I think you used the word the other day, Blair, spectacle, and it it, it it felt like that all the more so.
0: Soccer wasn't this way a decade ago in, in Kansas City. I think a combination of things – The um, the brilliant marketing of Sporting KC. Yes. Brilliant marketing, and their um, head of the curve uh, fan experience on you know at at children now Children's Mercy Park um, being uh, welcome and open to you know to uh, everybody, and and to have the fan experience to be such that uh, you get it was it was the first place that Wi-Fi wasn't a problem for a, for a <laughs> fan at a stadium. And and that you, you, you think, well really it's, it's that's what a ridiculous notion. At the time, a decade or so ago, that was major. You couldn't go to a sporting event in any stadium, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you couldn't go to a state college football or basketball, and people would leave the, the event because they couldn't they couldn't talk on their cell phone. Sporting figured it out, cracked the code on that. And I know it's just a small thing, but I think that helped create a, a younger crowd. At sporting and had to create help create the cauldron which now we see this enthusiastic group of young fans behind the goal during games and that built into something and sporting is what sold out however many hundred plus games in a row now and um and and the power and light district again we go back to the men's world cup i can't remember the year it was the year that uh, was it the belgian game or the maybe one of the ghana games i forgot which year the world cup was but but they had a watch party, they decided to have a watch party and the, power and, light, and the power and light was only a few years old at the time and people showed up mm-hmm. and it became a, it became a spectacle uh, and people were filming it and it got on YouTube and all of a sudden now Kansas City which didn't support the Wizards at all when it was <laughs> Arrowhead Stadium, now has Sporting Kansas City in a beautiful new stadium that is fan friendly and technology friendly. And they have the Power and Light District showing, you know, crowds, big crowds, enthusiastic crowds, screaming USA, and 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 that that gets you know shared socially. I think those were the two big engine, the drivers of what we think of today as Kansas City being a soccer town.
1: There's also a wave. All, all that's I would underline every single syllable of what you just said. Um, but they've also been riding a bit of a wave, just generally like culturally, soccer everywhere I think is incrementally just being a bigger deal you look at uh, you know the Premier League um, is so easy to find on TV Saturday and Sunday morning now it is yes yeah in the and
0: last the, few years I think it was brilliant strategy by NBC yeah. to show live games on Saturday
1: morning yep. and and to your point ten years ago that didn't exist um, you could probably stream them but it was crappy technology that you're trying to do it with um, the other thing and maybe this is just a, a tangent point but um you talked a lot about sporting uh and their marketing sporting promoted these watch parties mm-hmm. hard in a way that i don't know existed with other mls clubs um i've heard that it did not i don't i'm not gonna go poll every other mls market but sporting was aggressive in pushing that as as sort of, you know, I don't know that they profited necessarily or directly from that, but it certainly helps soccer. Anything that's good for soccer in Kansas City is obviously good for sporting, and sporting has an interest as well in, in capturing the World Cup. And, and, you know, and if if, if that helps um, that, then, then that's a big thing too. So, you know, I, I think that sporting has been really smart. I mean, I keep saying, I mean, they, they've been smart in so many different ways. Um, but to build that, because you know, we live in like a... Can we do an old man segment real quick? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a uh, a shareable society, right? Like if, if, if you can't share it, did it exist? And if you can share it, it was the only thing that mattered. And, you know, those 10-second clips or whatever it was on Fox of everybody, you know, going ballistic um, at, at Power and & Light and those pictures. Alex Morgan, you know, with three point something million Twitter followers, you know, sending we that picture seen, out. Yeah um you know stuff like that matters it 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 just does especially at this point when when kansas city and we got a lot going against us you know public transportation and and a lot of other things but as kansas city's trying to get a world cup it you know i don't think it's it can't lead your presentation in why you should get the the 2026 world cup uh but it's part of it
0: i think you just hit on it why it matters why it matters that kansas city Looks great on TV, and why the TV ratings were as high as they were for the Kansas City market. That's another visual, right? That's that's part of the resume that Kansas City will send to FIFA as it uh, as it bids for the 2026 World Cup. But yeah, look at an, another time in history, Kansas City as a candidate for a World Cup would be a laughable, <laughs> that's you know, right. a laughable, you know, idea. But today. You know, a day after the Women's World Cup when Kansas City was the number three market overall for the entirety of the World Cup in terms of Nielsen television ratings, I'd be disappointed now if Kansas City didn't get a a, a piece of the World Cup in yeah. 2026.
1: So there is, you know, what I just said I mean, and I think it's true, that there are, you know, public transportation, apparently that is pretty high up on the FIFA priorities. Is it is it getting, public
2: getting transportation getting people- per se or the ability to create a network. I mean, is it- that, That's it. Getting I mean, people
0: from distance to the stadium. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kansas City doesn't have a downtown stadium. It won't in, right. for 2026. But
2: in other words, the distinction being not necessarily relying on the public transportation as we have it, but what they can offer to create
0: that accommodates system. this. A, a new yeah. bus system yeah. to get people yeah. to and from.
1: They, they, they will have, you know, if, if there are games, um, there will be buses going straight from downtown um to arrowhead I bet straight lane will, lanes will be closed. plaza yes like all that all that will exist but it's not the same it's just it's not the same mm. thing as having a train right that, that goes down and back it's it's just not and look like I, this is what i've been told like is very important to to fifa the airport i think helps uh, but i think what they want is you know a place that can absorb thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands, of, thousands of people from out of town To come in and you know that's hotel rooms public transportation is a big deal and just i think like a size of a city to have enough restaurants to have enough you know stuff to do like just for that many people i think is important and but i also think like kansas city we have a lot going for us you know like it was pretty recently that uh there was a talk of you know do we really need all of these hotels (laughs) in kansas city right so we're gonna have we're gonna have some rooms uh you know, I think geographically it makes a lot of sense, especially if, you know, this is like degrees of separation, but there's a thought that Denver faces, no pun intended, but an uphill climb because of their elevation, because um, uh, Monterey and Mexico City has a high elevation. Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and both of those cities are guaranteed yes. games. Yes, and so if you're gonna have that, do you really want another super high elevation city? So if, if Denver's out, then Kansas City's potentially the only spot—I hope I'm not forgetting somebody—but the only spot between Cincinnati would be, you know, maybe the closest and and the West Coast or Nashville, like, whatever. Nashville, right, those right. Two. L.A., San Francisco, Seattle. Like mm-hmm. you're just going to ignore. Um, and look, there's a lot of people listening to this right now. And they're like, <laughs> We get ignored all the time in this part of the country. So what would be new? But you know, I think that's that's a real that's a real consideration as well.
2: How this is related, but a little tangentially. How much do you think? whatever their uh, awareness raising campaign the the notion of getting 150,000 petitions signatures and donations and volunteer stuff how much is that a a real factor to demonstrate anything to fifa and how much is it just for lack of a better term to try to make us all feel good that they're doing something i mean how, how how can these things matter
0: i haven't heard of another city doing something like that and that doesn't mean it's not happening i just haven't heard Of another city, you know bring the World Cup to our city petition I think if you're Kansas City and you're the I think this is right the smallest metropolitan area bidding that's left among the US cities that are that are bidding like we're just a little bit below Cincinnati in terms of metro size Nashville's a little bit bigger than Kansas City as well um, then I think maybe we tend to take it a little more personally here, you know, our, the, the Kansas City candidacy for this. You know, we know that New York and LA and Dallas Houston, um, probably Atlanta, there's just some slam dunks. And then there are the next group of cities that if they don't get awarded a World Cup, they kind of won't bat an eye. You know, it's just, oh, uh, you know, we wanted it, we didn't get it. I think we're to the point now, especially on the day after the great scene at the Power and Light District and the way people, it's foremost in people's minds, soccer, that if Kansas City, somehow doesn't get the uh, uh, games in 2026,
1: there'll be some hurt here. It would feel personal, Yep. you know? um, And I mean, there are people listening to this who have t-shirts in their drawers that say, Kansas City, Soccer Capital of the United States. (laughs) That (laughs) would be a hard shirt to wear. God bless them (laughs) for that. That that would become a very difficult uh, shirt to wear. You know, it's sort of like, if you lack in, you know, sort of the obvious, like, you know, if you have people over, And your food isn't that good, or whatever. You're gonna make up for it in hospitality. You know, you're gonna be super nice. You're gonna clean the house. You're gonna you're gonna get the best dessert. Like whatever. Like if if we don't have like um, a a great rail system, and we don't have a beach, and we don't have like that stuff, we're gonna make up for it with 150,000 signatures and a really cool clip that Fox can show during the World (laughs) Cup. Yep. Find your edge man. You know, it's interesting <laughs> it's because it,
2: it would only be one of what 16 total and one of 10 in the United States that if That's it gets right. it. That's right. There are right. So it's it's not, you know, the epicenter of the World Cup. On the other hand, I think it's accurate to say it would be the biggest event ever in the city. Oh, no doubt. Yes. Yes. Sporting event certainly. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, it would do by a bunch. Yeah, by a I bunch.
0: mean, right now it's the World Series and two World Series and an AFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, I mean, and also a baseball, a couple of baseball All-Star games. And Stuff that only could like pro- like and, approximate and we, a Democratic global scale. We've had, right? yeah, yeah, we've had three political conventions: since here, seventy-six since Republican, and the last one was in seventy-six.
2: Last one was seventy-six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're
0: talking about a month-long, basically, if if it's a pool play site and not a semifinal site, you know, a, a, a month-long, which I, su- I assume it would be for a market size like this, you wouldn't. Kansas City wouldn't get a semifinal, right? It would get a pool, you know, it would get a pool. And then you're talking about a month, four teams, four nations here, spending three weeks um, bringing in, you know, incredible amount of fans. And we, we both talked to David Ficklin, who's the executive director of the Kansas City World Cup bid, who's, they, they put the number at $620 million economic impact. You know, there's nothing. I mean, that's 10 Big 12, it's, 20 Big 12 tournaments. Yeah. You
1: know? The the other part of this, too, is, like, a lot of those economic studies, they don't talk about, like, displacement spending, you know, because a Big 12 tournament, a lot of people that go to that are from Kansas City or they're from Overland Park or Liberty or Blue Springs or Shawnee or whatever. They're going to spend that money somewhere. The World Cup, I mean, that, like, that's the (laughs) definition of people (laughs) from (laughs) other places coming here uh, to spend their money. and You know, so I... I think we talked about this a show or two earlier. Like, you know, that's the one economic impact study that I won't just blindly <laughs> right. make Dismissed. fun of. You know, because I, I think that, that one, there there might be some actual uh, some actual teeth in it. Um, you know, you can also think about it in terms of just like TV viewers. It's imperfect, but it's, you know, a thing. Um, and certainly like people watching, oh, Kansas City, that looks cool or whatever. I mean, that, that has some impact. But I mean, the, the number of people that watched you know, any World Series game, whatever the, I assume it was game seven in 2014 that would be the most watched, whatever, uh, is dwarfed by the worst World Cup <laughs> TV rating, you know, in the in the history of World Cup. Like, it's just- As a world View event. Yes, as, 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 the number know. of eyeballs yeah. watching a thing that happens in Kansas City, it would probably be at least five times bigger than anything yeah. else we've ever had. No, That's absolutely. probably conservative.
0: Yeah. We'll see, the, the decision's not gonna be made until, um, either the second half of twenty twenty or maybe even to early twenty twenty one. So there's I I can't remember Blair, are they
2: reducing the field a little no, bit or, think, or all at once? I, I think it's
0: the, the, the next the next <laughs> no announcement. Roses given out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey I, I feel I, I this is I don't know why I need feeling to tell you this, but nineteen seventy six Republican convention, uh, there's a there's a little trivia attached to that. It was the first time john dorsey ever came to kansas city from his his uh maryland uh, abode because he was a page in the republican convention i've held that for five years because john wouldn't let me john <laughs> wouldn't let me write it opportunity and now, unleash. now that's a news peg <laughs> sorry john but but uh that statute of limitations is up on that one you
0: remember the ticket that came out of that uh, convention
2: uh ford and bob dole and bob dole yep
0: and uh, the convention in Kemper Arena, last one that uh, Kansas City's had. So Is that we'll
2: right? It was in Kemper.
0: Kemper Arena. Yeah.
2: The brand new Kemper.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah just a couple years. Four years, years old, yeah. Right, home of the Kings, and I think the Scouts were gone by then. They, <laughs> they had their, they had their two-year run. <laughs> they had their
1: introductory press conference, <laughs> so they
0: were out, gone. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, great stuff. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again soon. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com, the True Blue app, and Facebook.com slash True Blue. Many thanks to our producers today, Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra. This has been sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star, and we'll be back soon to talk sports in Kansas City.